Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Experience Matters podcast. You'll notice we have a couple new faces here, which I'm so thrilled to be able to introduce to you. We have not only Rochelle as our guest today, but my new co-host, Sydney. Hello to both of you. (laughs) Hello there. Here we go. We have uh, quite the challenge for everybody today. We've been talking a lot about leadership as it applies into customer experience, and this is an episode I've been so looking forward to. I went to a little school called Tacoa Falls College, and as we walked into to class every day, there was a big old thing that, that would talk about servant leadership every day as we walked yeah. into class. And it was something as I navigated those four years of college that I had to really wrestle with because it was such a cool concept. But it's like, what, is, what does it actually mean? What does it look like to be a servant leader? And it wasn't until I got into the workplace and saw some incredible people there, one being you, Rochelle, who I was just able to, to see an incredible example of this played out uh, that I really started to understand. So I, I'm thrilled to talk about this. And Rochelle, let's get to know you a little bit. What brings you here today? Thank you so much, Nate uh, and Sydney. Pleasure to meet you, Sydney. Uh, for having me today. I, uh, I've been in hospitality 27 years plus. Mm. Pains me to say that. Uh, <laughs> either from the restaurant does, oh, uh, either from the restaurant to the retail to the hospitality and hotel and aviation industries. Uh, I'm definitely a, a CX advocate and enthusiast and an industry promoter. And I've had the blessing of working with some iconic legacy brands over the years to create meaningful CX and brand experience strategies that work. So I'm excited to talk about that today, and it all begins with the team first. Yeah, it was uh, Frost and Sullivan where I I first laid eyes on Rochelle, and it was just blown away by by her magnetism and and her energy and her intelligence on the topic of customer experience and that was like three years ago, and I've been learning from you as a mentor ever since. So thank you so much for honoring us with, uh, with coming today. And then I have the, the announcement of, of Sydney. Hello, Sydney. Hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome. My name is Sydney, uh, and I am now the marketing specialist at Officium Labs. Super excited. It's my first podcast, Experience Matters. Um, <laughs> and I'm super glad that this is the topic that we're going to be discussing because this is totally my, my heart cry as well. So um, I'll be adding a little bit of my two cents. Um, some of my background is, is marketing. So I'll kind of bring the, the marketing and the advertising side of it, but hmm. super excited to dive in. Very cool. Well, this worked out so well because one, the, the, one of the things that attracted me to, to Sydney on her LinkedIn profile was front and center servant leadership. It was right there in the tagline. And so, I mean, this was entirely coincidental that we had Rochelle, who this was the topic that she wanted to talk about, and the, the introduction of Sydney to the show. So it is, uh, it is definitely a universe uh, bringing us all together for this episode. It just can't wait to dive in. So let's do it. Love Our it. challenge today, friends, it is challenging the traditional model of leadership. Mm-hmm. We know that there are some legacy mentalities here. There's some things that are holding us back. How can we break those how can we accelerate the introduction and the momentum around servant leadership? Rochelle, what would you add to that challenge statement? Anything jumping out at you? You know, I think it's interesting, Nate. When I think of servant leadership, is is it approachable today for our modern team member? And as we guys have all chatted already offline, uh, I don't know that it is as approachable to our modern uh, team member today. So definitely look forward to to talking a little bit about what that could be 
uh, in today's environment. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And there's one reference that I, I wanted to pop up real quick for, for our audience, and we'll definitely share this as well. Um, but there's something that I recently used in a training class with, with one of our officium customers, this article that Jeff Hayden put out on, on Inc., and it just blew me away as he talked about the nine most promotable skills, those, the, uh, those individuals that are being promoted into leadership roles. What are the attributes that they're displaying? And these are the things that are being looked for. How different is this than it was 10 or 15 years ago? We're looking for those that are humble, not arrogant. Servants, not self-serving. Volunteers, not draftees. Teachers, not truant officers. And those that are self-aware and not selfish. There's this incredible mind shift that is happening in terms of the way that we conduct ourselves. And, and it's not about us clawing our way up the corporate ladder at the expense of everybody behind us because organizations have seen that that only leaves a wake of destruction. But when we edify, when we build up each other, when we unify towards a, a common goal, wonderful things happen and enter servant leadership. <laughs> Love it. It's exciting. Well, Rochelle, we have our, our first big right hook on how to overcome this challenge to, to displace the traditional mentality around leadership, yeah. and that is extending the opportunity of leadership beyond the leaders to the frontline people. Yeah. Talk to us about that. You know, I, a recent example, Nate, comes to mind uh, when uh, has a leader with signature flight support mm. over our customer relations and brand experience working with a, a very, what I would call, junior CX team. And I say junior with love in that they had never been given permission to think big, think outside the box, and create a brand new uh, CX strategy for the brand that would really debunk myths that they had had about the customer, but also move forward in a way that was modern and approachable from a brand experience standpoint. Mm. They were never tasked with thinking or allowed even in a safe environment to think big before. And when I think about that, I think about the permission that I had to give them, letting them know that this was a safe space to think big, to, to be bold, that it stays amongst us, there are, there are no wrong uh, or, or right way to do this, but let's build a CX strategy that we could put in place as a team uh, for years to come. And what I found is there was some immediate uh, fear, if you will. This was new. Uh, the, the, the culture was changing from an environment that was somewhat punitive mm. uh, in the past to a more charitable, open, uh, allowing that big, bold type thinking. And once I empowered them to do this, uh, I then made it clear that I was holding them accountable oh, wow. for this, that I wanted to see them grow, that they value to add with their voice, hmm. and that once we're able to create this strategy together, they will see long-term wins. Now. How this stemmed down to the frontline teams was through the creation of a foundational uh, steps of service program, mm. beginning with uh, our serve well layer, then recovery, which and then personalized experience. Okay. But that recover well goes down to the frontline team, and whereby we're empowering them 
this is very tactical, but another example of how we're extending this down to the team member, uh, empowering them to recover well every single day, shift over shift, base to base. And oh, by the way, we were giving them the tools to do it successfully. So for me, it begins with the employee first, not just my team. It has to start with them, but also down to the team member in every one of the bases. That to me is the framework for servant leadership and how to do it well. Wow. I mean, there's so much that is flipping through my mind as, as you say that. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of organizations that articulate the idea of, we, we need your, all, all of your ideas and your, your voice is so important to us. But you've done something very different than just saying that. I mean, you, you held them accountable to actually offering up their voice and generating some of those innovative ideas and being a part of that process. You've given them tools and resources and training to, to usher that in and actually make it real, yeah. to make it authentic. And, and I think that's the push that people really need. I mean, it, there, there's been a, a traditional leadership mantra for years of my doors open, walk in, or, hey, we, we told everybody we care about their ideas and nobody's given us ideas. It, it requires a little bit more of a push than that and a little bit yeah. more of an opening the door and then welcoming them inside and giving them an incentive to come in. And, and you've done that, Rochelle. Well, thank you. You know, it's interesting. It starts first with with being vulnerable, hmm. exposing yourself in an appropriate way, of course. Of course. <laughs> has, uh, of course, as a leader by sharing some of your past successes, but also past failures. What's worked and what hasn't worked uh, for you as a leader working with your other teams before? Uh, I wanted to start building that foundation of trust first with my team because I knew that I couldn't fuel that uh, and foster uh, the ability to deliver well together mm. if I didn't start with that foundation of trust first. That was really important. Goodness. It takes time to do that too. Yeah, yeah the, the gospel of the five dysfunctions of a team and that importance of that foundation of trust, I don't think it can be overstated. Uh, brilliant. What, what are you thinking about that, Sydney? Yeah, I think, you know, offering to the employees that sense of ownership, right? Um, you know, something to say, okay, you know, you're part of this company and you're the face of it and people are interacting with you, but you're doing everything I tell you to do, right? Allowing them to have ownership in the process. Yeah and what they're doing uh, because you know especially for me you know in my past it was necessary for me to know that the work that I was doing had my name on it that I approved it that it was part of what I wanted to do and so I think leaders have to really not underestimate the importance of giving employees that ownership wow so I, I agree 100% I think that was great I love it we were talking uh, with with uh, I was talking with a leader this morning about the concept of job shadowing and how traditionally that was just somebody sitting watching somebody else work. Yeah. And, and we were thinking together, we're like, we could do better than that. And, and I thought back to a program that we had at UL where we did a job shadow ambassador program where we, we took an agent in the contact center, assigned them to another department that they were really interested in, yeah. and had them actually generate a project, a cross-functional project that would enhance the customer experience yeah. together. They had ownership. I mean, I didn't know what they were going to do. Right. But it was freeing them up to build that relationship, do something that would enhance the employee and or the customer experience, and, and then work together on that with, with a new set of people. Yeah. It was very empowering for them. Yeah. I Great love stuff. that. You, 
you know, it's interesting. I, I think we have likely all been a part of a, a leadership genre or regime, whatever you want to call it, where a leader has come in and left a strategy plan before you and said, go do it, right? In, in some way, shape, or form. I've certainly been there. And I know how it made me feel mm. as a team member. And I certainly, Sydney, to your point, I didn't have ownership. Yeah. I wasn't really bought in. And I don't know that I gave it, well, I did hard work. I don't know that I gave it my best work, right? Mm. I, because I wasn't a part of it. My voice wasn't in that plan. So it's really important for me and coming on board at Signature and even in my prior life at IHG to build a a plan together with my team. And I'll never forget it at Signature, the second day of this three-day strategy planning session. We had a little bit of fun too. Uh, but the second day, I had a team member look at me and we were in the midst of our sleeves rolled up, mm. stickies all over the board, creating and plotting out our plan on how we were going to change CX. And I remember her looking at me and saying, Rochelle, this is really hard work. <laughs> and I'll never, and I still chat with her, uh, you know, to this day uh, about that very time. And it was, but how meaningful it's been for her to be a part of this along with mm. the rest of the team and even leading some of these strategic initiatives. And that to me is what true servant leadership mm. is all about. It's one team working together to get the job done. Uh, and, you know, I think, um, you know, we, we've seen great leaders in our life as examples of what that looks like. And it's a lot of fun to be a part of it as well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and you just use the, the key word, uh, one team that will, tr yeah. will take Sorry. us into bullet. No, that's, that was wonderful. Thank you. Uh, take us into to the left jab of how to overcome this challenge is that idea of the team of one and bringing that leadership staff together. Now, I'll remember for years, I worked in an organization and a department where the leader was all about, we're the best and our team is amazing and I'm going to protect all of you and everybody else in this company sucks. And these leaders are all idiots and you, you work for the best team in the organization and never leave this team or you'll, you'll be sorry and this and that. Yeah. On the messaging of that, the psychology around that just dumped and dumped and dumped. And this person loved to consider himself like a grizzly bear, you know, roar, you know, hear me roar kind of deal. And uh, I mean, it was just phenomenally ineffective yeah. because it was tearing down the concept of, of the team of one and building up your peer group and setting an example for your people about what a great leader looks like. And people are smart enough to know that if, if you're a leader that is verbalizing negative things, against other people, other leaders in the organization, that at some point you're going to be the brunt of that as well. You might not be in the room for it, but if, if there's that type of environment and that type of culture that is present where people are tearing one another down, you have eliminated that foundation of trust. So if we want to be able to have a culture of servant leadership, we have to stop bad-mouthing fellow leaders. <laughs> as, as hard as that could be, and I, I had to have a wake-up call in this area myself too, because it's just so easy to fall into that mode of we're the best team and it's us versus everyone. That is, that is yeah. not how we serve organizations well, and that's not even how we serve our people well. What do you all think about that? 
You know, I think it's interesting that you say that because uh, immediately uh, flashing before me, there are so many experiences where I, I've, I've been a part of that or I've heard that from peers or from leaders, and it just doesn't feel good. Mm. It makes you feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, everybody sees that. And one thing that I've always told any of the teams I've ever been a part of is be mindful because you are here as a leader. I don't care what hierarchy level you are. You are a leader. Hmm. Everybody is looking to you to lead and serve well. And so your actions are really important as a result. That's a big responsibility. Wow. I had a, um, a chief talent officer years ago, brilliant woman, Lynn Zapone, who was responsible for leading our brand employee and guest experience at Popeyes. And I was taking over and leading the guest experience portion of it. And I had a peer of mine on the employee side. And I'll never forget when she formed this team, she said, be mindful. Everybody is watching you. Wow. And doesn't mean that you don't get frustrated some days that other people won't bother you or what have you or, or make you mad but everybody's watching you. This is a big responsibility. So be careful with what you do with it. And that was her only word of advice, but mm. we knew what that meant. She was right. So then coming in with, uh, with our final bullet here, our, our, our right jab on how to overcome this challenge, is this idea of teacher versus truant officer. Mm. Tell us about that, Rochelle. I, I love this uh, because it, the notion of being a teacher versus a truant officer is so true. We've all had bosses or leaders who have been either in either camp, and it's so much more fun to work for that person that is a teacher. Uh, it's that doing versus thinking approach. Uh, an example, recent example with my team at Signature which is encouraging them and pushing them out of a role where they were prior has in that doing capacity. Didn't mean that they couldn't think. Yeah. Didn't mean that they weren't great thinkers uh, or added great value, but they weren't given permission. And uh, they also weren't given permission to, when I think of back to that strategy planning session day, they had never been taught how to create a strategy, the beginning of a SWOT analysis, all that fun stuff and rolling up their sleeves, but being tasked with doing versus thinking, well, they were used to doing, but now being rising up as that thinking role was very different and challenging for them at first. But now I know that they could never go back to just doing because they recognize that their voice does add such great value. Uh, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. And I'm really proud to see them having blossomed and grow as a result of that. Um, yeah, I would add on that, you know, being a teacher um, means, again, having a safe place to not only grow, but to fail, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the moment that we say, hey, you know, we want you to think, that means that sometimes you're going to fail and then sometimes things aren't going to go as we planned. Uh, and not just saying that, but demonstrating that. And so I think, you know, having leaders that say, I'm going to own my own mess, my own mistakes, that there's not shame involved in that, but really just saying, you know, we're all human, we're all going to make mistakes and it's okay. Um, and I think the moment that, you know, that teacher, that leader can stand up and say, if I can do it, you can do it. And your win is my win. Um, you know, that's where the whole team is going to win. So, wow. And yeah. the humility of not the leader that. not having to take credit 
for all those things, but actually allowing their their staff to be in that spotlight and inherit some of the glory associated with that success. I mean, it sounds so obvious, but it is hard to do sometimes to allow for that to happen. So when uh, when I first read the the terminology that Jeff Hayden put out there of, of teacher versus truant officer, I started thinking about babysitters and how the traditional leadership model uh, was was very much tied to butts in seats mm-hmm. and, and that idea of just keeping your eyes on people to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and just making sure their hands are applied to the work. But at no point did we engage the heart. And, and now, I mean, there's this really important thing that's going on where so many of us have transitioned to more of a work-from-home type of model, and it has greatly accelerated our need for servant leadership and this authentic leadership type of, of mantra to happen, this evolution to happen inside of our leaders because they, they no longer have the ability to just sit and watch and make sure that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's so much more than that idea of babysitting. How can we create meaningful and engaging work for our people? And how can we align ourselves to where that engaging work that we're doing is going to make the business successful? That's the work of the leader. Yeah. I love that, Nate. And one thing that, uh, Sydney, you brought to mind and, and, and you were connecting for me as well, Nate, is the notion of being transparent with your teams. Transparency is important, I think, now more than ever, particularly, Nate, to your point. uh, We're not in front of each other every single day. Mm -hmm. So am I honest and open with you? Am I transparent with you? Am I ensuring that I'm talking about you uh, and being an advocate for you when you're not in the room? Those, Mm -hmm. to me, are really core elements of someone that is a servant leader giving that one team the full credit. Uh, Because at the end of the day, you can't get the work done unless you have that one team notion uh, and culture. And that's a responsibility, uh, not just for the leader, but for the entire team. Mm. So when their voice adds value, when you're asking them to think, when you're asking them to have that shared responsibility and ownership for the plan, it is a responsibility, but I think it's one that just about any one of us uh, who want to be this driven culture uh, want to be able to deliver well and be a part of that. I know I do. Yeah. So good. Very cool. Great. Well, this this has been just such an exciting dialogue for me. I mean, this is just so cool to be dreaming up new ways to to engage our people and and to usher in a new new generation of leaders yeah. who are who are so authentic and and are just bringing their people into a, a workplace that is going to be really edifying and meaningful and, and add to their life. Their job is not going to be a place where they go to die. It'll be a place where they go to, <laughs> to love others around them and to be excited about the work they're getting to do. And I, I just, I can't wait to see this, this evolution accelerated. So thank you, Rochelle, yeah. for what you're doing and, and send to you, you as well. I mean, it's just awesome to see this evolution happening. Thank you. And if I could leave you with a quote, yes. I would love to. Let's do uh, that. Awesome. I, I, you know, Nate, I love to end with a quote. That's uh, important for me. Just if I leave anything with you all, I would love to leave this with you. And it's a C.S. Lewis quote. And whenever I'm asked to describe servant leadership, this is the best quote I know how to do it with. And it's the notion of true humility is not about thinking less of yourself, but it's about thinking of yourself less. So oh, yeah. if you're, 
if you're able to think about it in any way, that would be the easiest way I know to bring servant leadership to life. And that certainly aligns with Mr. Hayden's principles as well. So good. I think you had a quote as well, Cindy. I did. It, and I don't know who said this quote, but it's <laughs> that I carry to my core. Um, I love it. Servant leader believes that my success is your success. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's not forget that we're a team and, and it's not, you're not going to pass the finish line alone. And if you do, that's no fun. Um, bring everyone with you. Your success is our success. So um, that's my nugget. <laughs> Incredible. Thank you for, for all your many nuggets. Very good stuff. Well, I hope this has been encouraging for you. Uh, continue to be encouraged by Rochelle. Where, where would people find you, Rochelle? You're welcome to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, in fact, this is a perfect timing of this conversation. I had a post yesterday about the ultimate servant leader in my life, mm. my father. So certainly find me there on LinkedIn. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your wisdom. And until the next episode, make experiences that matter. Thank you.